Mark chapter number 13 and verse number 14. We're going to start. Uh, Mark 13, verse number 14. But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand, then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains, and let him that is on the housetop not go down into the house, neither enter therein to take anything out of his house. And let him that's in the field not turn back for to take up his garment. But woe to them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. And pray ye that your flight be not in the winter. For in those days shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of the creation, which God created unto this time, neither shall be. And except the Lord shall shorten those days, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. And then if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or... Lo, he is there. Believe him not. For false Christs and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. But take ye heed. Behold, I foretold you all things. But in those days, after tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the heavens of earth shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, Thank you for another time we have to look in your word. And Lord, it's so good in a day of uncertainty, unrest, that we have the certain word of God, the truth. And Lord, this passage this morning, Lord, should encourage us to know you and have a better understanding, a better relationship with you. As believers, and if we're here this morning, someone's here not knowing you as Savior, Lord, I pray the words they'll hear would, uh, the Holy Spirit would convict them of their need of salvation. And they would accept you as their Savior. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Now, we've been going through Mark for quite a while now, and, uh, last few months we've been following Jesus in his last week here on earth before he goes to the cross. That's coming up really soon here in Mark. And, uh, to give his life a ransom, uh, he died for the ungodly. He died for us. And that's what happened. And now in Mark 13, Jesus speaking in this portion of Scripture, speaks to the nation of Israel and gives them a very clear warning of the events that will take place in the last days. So in this portion of Mark chapter 13, we're going way into the future. Okay? This, this wasn't necessarily just for that moment when he was talking to uh, the disciples. He's fast-forwarding. He's pushing the calendar into the future. And He takes us to the middle of the tribulation period. And Jesus wants His people living in all ages to know that there are some tragic things coming on the horizon. The title of the message is Horrors on the Horizon. Horrors on the Horizon. Uh, and there's some events coming forward that are not pleasant, but He tells them to us to help us understand that there is a way of escape, amen, through Jesus Christ. We do not need to go through the horrors that are talked about. Uh, we know Christ and we will be saved from them. Verses 14-18, I just read that portion for you. First of all, we see here a warning. of a, a warning. Those things are coming. And uh, uh, we're going to look at some of the events that will occur during the Great Tribulation. So I want you to understand I'm, I'm, where we stand as a church. What we believe is that there is a tribulation coming. There's a rapture first, then a tribulation. All right, that's what we believe as church. We're we're not shying away from it. And we believe that because we see that in God's word, and we'll look at that in a moment. But during the seven years of tribulation, 
there is a great tribulation. And I'm going to encourage you, as I'm going to look at a few different portions of Scripture. Usually I just stay in one place on a Sunday morning and maybe refer to another verse or two. Uh, but we're going to look at some passages. And the reason why I want us to do that is because there's a lot of misinformation in our world today about this. There's a lot of churches who are off base on this today. And I'm not saying because we got it all figured out, but I'm saying it because this is what the Word of God says. All right? And we need to know it. Uh, I'm so glad that uh, we have the full Word of God. We don't miss anything, okay? We have it all, and it tells us what the truth is. Have you ever met someone and you're like, they're not telling me the truth? We have all met people like that. Like, Why don't you tell me the truth? It'll only help me understand what's happening. Hey, God does not hide anything from us. He tells us the truth. And this portion of Scripture helps us with that. Uh, so the tribulation is also known as the time of Jacob's trouble. You'll find that in Jeremiah verse, uh, chapter 30, verse 7. We're not going to tear to that portion, but that's a reference to it. It's a time when God will pour out His wrath on a Christ-rejecting world. It's a time when God will prepare a remnant of believing Jews to enter into the millennial kingdom of God. Now, there are two reasons for the tribulation that I kind of want to analyze a little bit this morning uh, as we're going through this because I think it will help us. The first one is to punish the Gentile nations. Look over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. These verses are a help to understand why it's going to happen. So the first reason is to punish the Gentile nations. Second uh, Thessalonians 2, verse 11, And for this cause God shall send them a strong delusion, and they shall believe a lie. Now, I'm not going to preach about this verse, but I just want to give you a little bit of background. I believe that this verse is talking about those who have heard the salvation message and who have rejected it. The Lord returns. He takes or raptures a church home. I believe that this verse is referring to that. Those people will believe a lie that will be brought by the devil, by those who will come after the Antichrist and things. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. And in Revelation chapter 19, verse 15, it says, Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. For many thousands of years, men have spurned the call of God to repentance and salvation. It's been going on since the beginning of time. And there is a judgment to come. We hear all the time that God is, oh, God's so merciful, and He is. But guess what? There comes a point where the mercy ends and the judgment happens. And that's what this is talking about. Uh, During the tribulation, God will visit wicked humanity with the fruits of their sins and its divine judgment. Okay, so that that's one reason for the tribulation. The second one is to purge the people of Israel. Over in Zechariah chapter number thirteen, Zechariah chapter number thirteen and verses eight and nine talks about that. And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third uh, third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part. Through the fire, and they will find them as silver is refined. I will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. And I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. Malachi 3.3 says, And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, and they may offer, sorry, that they may offer unto the Lord a offering of righteousness. 
the nation of Israel is guilty of rejecting the Messiah. Okay, The Jewish people uh, have rejected the Messiah, Jesus Christ. God will use the terrors of the judgment of, of, of tribulation, sorry, to prepare Israel to return to Jesus Christ. That's part of his plan. And when Jesus returns to earth in power and glory, he will be met by a remnant of Jews who will say, you are Messiah. We believe you to be. The entire tribulation period will last seven years. And that's found in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24-27. We're not going to turn there, but that's a great portion for you to read to understand some more about what's happening. In that prophecy, Daniel sorry, prophesies of 70 weeks. Those 70 weeks refers to weeks of years. The Jewish calendar was combined of weeks containing seven days. It also comprised of seven-year periods. Even the seventh year was a sabbatical year. So Daniel, sorry, Daniel, yeah, Daniel, David. David and Daniel are getting all mixed up in my mind here this morning. So Daniel saw 70 weeks of years, which is 490 years. So 69 of those weeks have been literally fulfilled. The year began to be counted when the command came to rebuild Jerusalem. During the reign of Artaxerxes, the Persian king, and that was done during the time of Ezra. Anyone, Ezra in the Bible? No, Ezra? Okay, if you don't, he's in the Bible, you need to read about him, okay? He's there. Okay, that's when it began, in chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, that's day 1. Okay, then 400, so 69 weeks of 7 years, 489 years later, the Messiah was cut off. That's when Jesus Christ went to the cross. It feels like I'm doing a little bit of lecturing here this morning. Okay, I just I want you to know the truth because there's too much error out there, and you're getting you can get mixed up, you can get confuddled and things. Uh, so that means there's one more week left, right? There's another week left, and that week is the tribulation time. That's how it falls into those uh, seventy weeks of Daniel. Okay, and the first three and a half years of the tribulation, I won't say it's super peaceful because it won't. But it will not be as bad as the last three and a half years. Alright? Uh, there, there will be some signs of peace because Israel signs a peace treaty and things. Uh, so those things take place. Uh, and, and we see that referred to uh, in portions of scriptures, uh, in, especially in Revelation. And during that time, God will raise up a group of people, uh, 144,000. This is not the 144,000 that the Jehovah's Witnesses talk about. Okay, this is 144,000 Jewish men that the Lord raises up to be Jewish evangelists who will take the gospel to the nations of the world. That's found in Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 to 12. Again, I encourage you to read these passages so you can know. So you know what the Word of God says. These men will be persecuted by the world's government because what they're preaching is not what the world church will be propagating. But the Lord will supernaturally protect these people. And I believe from Revelation chapter 7, and verse 13, that there will be multitudes of people saved by these evangelists. Let me read you that verse. And one of the elders answered saying unto me, this is Revelation chapter 7. So verses 1 to 12 talks about, uh, sorry, yes, 12 talks about uh, the Jewish evangelists and, and talks about how they qualified and things. Verse 13, and one of the elders answered saying unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? 
And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he saith to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation, having washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These people get saved during that time. And is by the work, definitely, of the evangelists of the 104,000 Jewish evangelists. Okay? Jesus warns them about the abomination of desolation. Back in Mark uh, chapter 13, he talks about that. And that means abomination that means that makes desolate or defiles. So it's a defilement of a holy place. And Daniel refers to this in Daniel chapter 11, verse 31. And Daniel and, uh, sorry, and, and Aram shall stand and take, uh, and on his part, and shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place abomination to take de- de- desolation. So, this prophecy is yet to take place, but there has been things that have taken place in the Jewish temple that did defile the Jewish temple. Uh, one of the most famous events and I, it, it definitely refers to abomination, is in 167 B.C., a king by the name of Antiochus IV, Epiphanes, attempted to force the Jews to adopt Greek culture. He would not let the Jewish people to perform any of their uh, ceremonial things, no circumcision, uh, no sacrifice in the temple. And you know what he did? He went to the temple and he offered a pig on the altar in, in, in Jerusalem. Now, if you know anything about Jewish, uh, Jewish dietary laws, that is an unclean animal. All right? That was a defilement of the temple. Okay, And then he erected a statue within the temple to the Greek god Zeus in the Holy of Holies. Okay, He opened up brothels in the temple chambers. He defiled the temple and the Jews actually abandoned it until there was a successful rebellion against Antiochus, and then they came in and they cleansed the temple. Okay, uh, back in 68 A.D., zealots, Jewish zealots, took control of the temple and they desecrated it by allowing robbers into the Holy of Holies and they committed murders on the temple site. Uh, and then in 70 A.D., Titus, uh, the Roman general, entered the Holy of Holies and he removed sacred items. So there's been a number of times when it has been defiled in the past. But this reference, I do believe, is talking about the future. Okay? And that's still yet to come. And the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy will occur in the future when Antichrist will make a seven-year treaty, peace treaty, with Israel. Israel will want peace. Israel wants peace today. Alright? Israel wants peace today. And after the uh, the rapture of the church, there is going to be a huge upheaval in the world. Um, you know, uh, From what we know about the rapture, people, we will be taken away immediately in a blink of an eye. It'll take place. And so there's going to be upheaval and uh, Israel's going to look for peace and peace will be found, uh, a peace treaty. And, and the Antichrist will break this treaty after three and a half years. Daniel 9.27 And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease and for the overspreading of the abomination she shall make it desolate even on the consummation and determine shall be poured upon desolation. At that time, at three and a half year period of the tribulation time, the Antichrist will enter the temple and in Jerusalem and declare him to be God. That's what he's going to say about himself. I'm God. Worship me. Okay, do not worship this old God that you're talking about here in the temple. Okay, he will demand 
It's not like it's going to be a, uh, you can choose. You know, isn't our God so gracious and merciful? He gives you a choice. You can choose salvation or you can choose not to be saved. That is your choice. You know, and he gives us a free will to decide. And the reality here is this Antichrist gets up. There is no choice, my friend. You worship me or you're going to die. That's what's going to happen. That's what takes place when the Antichrist gets in that position. And the false prophet who will dominate the world religion during the tribulation, they will erect an image of the Antichrist in the Holy of Holies. And from that day, from that time, from the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, the abomination and take desolate, uh, set up, and there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. So Jesus is referring to this as he's talking to the disciples, okay, in Mark chapter 13. Now it is recorded in history that when Christians in Jerusalem found out what was happening in 67, 67, 68 AD, that the, the Romans were coming, they fled the city. Before the the Romans set up uh, the you know the the siege of the city and things, they fled uh, to escape the judgment to come. So the, so some of this in their minds is already taking place. It's in the future. Uh, but when these signs appear for those living in Jerusalem, it talks about Judea in verse number fourteen. Those living in Jerusalem need to leave immediately. That's what Jesus is saying to these people: need to leave. You're not to worry about possessions if property. Uh, and talks about that in verse 15. Let not the mount, the house, top, go down to the house. Neither anything out of his house. Just leave it. Run. You know, uh, don't even go and get something from inside the house. Flee. Uh, don't go retrieve anything. The man in the field, just flee. Don't go down the road to get your garment. Just run. Uh, and the flight will be especially hard for those who are pregnant, the ladies who are pregnant. Uh, verses 16 and 17 and 18 talk about that, where it will be difficult and it will be compounded if you're fleeing in the winter time. Uh, now, they don't get the winter like we get here, but they still have winter over there. Snow does fall and things. So the reality is just that it will be way more difficult. Now, the... And I know that I could get numerous uh, individual preachers and they would... Uh, Debate me on some of these things, and you might debate me on some of these things. The comp, it could be complex, or it is complex. The reality is that God has a plan for the nation of Israel. Amen? He is not done with Israel. He has still given us time today, as individual believers, the church, to do His work. The rapture takes place, the church is removed, God is focusing now again His attention on Israel. Okay, when we get those things in the proper order, these things come easier to see. Hey, I see under, I don't understand every part of prophecy. I don't understand what all these words mean, but I understand that God's had a plan and He's working them out. He's working them out. Uh, and uh, the Lord has a word for us. The, the lesson that we can learn in this is that uh, this world is going to come to an end someday. This world is going to come to an end someday. And the Lord will return for His people. Amen? He's going to come for us. And the Word of God's numerous Scriptures that talk about it. But I love John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Hey, it's home! Just like He's saying this morning. Hey, I know it's heaven. I know people refer to it paradise. But it's home if we know Jesus Christ is Savior. That's our home. 
This is I me. Mean, we're pilgrims here, folks. The Word of God tells us we're pilgrims in this land. We're going to our heavenly home, and it'll be for eternity. So when He comes, He's going to come for those who are saved by grace. That's found First Thessalonians four sixteen to eighteen. In the twinkling of an eye, gone. Everyone else who's left behind. So everyone else who's left behind are those who have not accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. I do not believe that the church will be in any part of the tribulation because it's to judge the wicked. It's to judge those who reject Christ, not those who have accepted Christ. I gave you earlier why I believe those reasons for the tribulation, right? It's to judge the wicked, divine judgment for the wicked, and then to get Israel prepared to accept Jesus Christ as Messiah. Don't wait around for the abomination desolation. Don't wait around for that. That would be extremely unwise. Receive Jesus and be saved today. Amen? Salvation is available today. You don't need to put it off. You don't need to say next year or next week. Uh, listen, get it straight today. That's a lesson from us from this portion of Scripture. Get it set today. Get it settled that you know Christ as Savior. I certainly believe that we should be praying for Israel. I believe we should be praying for the Jewish people. The Word of God tells us to do that. To pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Hey, in my prayer list is written that I pray for Jerusalem whenever I have my prayer list. It's there. I pay for the priests of Jerusalem. Uh, God, is, it's His people. And i got a real problem with churches who promote this idea that we need to uh, banish Israel and this, uh, what's the group, uh, the, the DBS group, you know, uh, just don't have any sanctions against Israel. No, listen, it's God's chosen people. It's God's chosen people. Uh, I'm never going to uh, abandon them. I'm never going to uh, preach against them. No, God has a plan for them. I need to love them. I need to show them Jesus Christ. Amen? I, I, that's what I need to do. And I know that's not real popular in our world. Oh, well, I won't be popular. I'm okay with that. And that's what the Word of God tells us. Israel is still God's chosen people and He has a plan for her. He just warned us about sorrow. For in those days shall be affliction such as has not been from the beginning of creation which God created unto this time, neither shall be. Jesus tells the disciples that tribulation period will be a time marked by severe afflictions. And that word means troubles. Uh, And Jesus tells in in Revelation, He lays out things that He will do by divine judgment on uh, the world. And it will be an unprecedented time of sorrow and suffering. Listen, individual believer, you don't need to be afraid to read Revelation. Because you're not here when all those things unfold on earth. You know, I know where you're going to be if you know Jesus Christ as Savior. We're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, amen? That's where we're going to be. And that's talked about in Revelation. And, and, and in this one verse, Jesus uh, condenses one of the most horrible, most horrible times. To- the most horrible time in human history in just a few words. And uh, I'm going to read for you in Revelation some things uh, talking about what will take place uh, after what was known as the Great Tribulation. I'm not going to look at all the things before, but the Lord refers to the Great Tribulation in this portion of Scripture. Uh, and so there's some judgments that take place. The first one is the trumpet judgments. In eight, uh, Revelation chapter 8, and verse number 7, it says, The first angel sounded and followed hail and fire mingled with blood. 
and they were cast upon earth, and the third part of the trees were burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. The first trumpet, so this is, takes place, so, so you know chronologically, okay, this takes place after the first three and a half years. This takes place in the last three and a half years. Not the first of the seven, but the last half. Okay? One third of the green vegetation of the earth is destroyed. The second trumpet it talks about uh, the uh, the second angel. A second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burned from fire and was cast into the sea. And the third, the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea had that had life died. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. So one third of the oceans become blood, uh, and one third of the life of the of the sea is destroyed, and one third of the world's shipping is destroyed. Verses 8 and 9 refers to a meteor that falls into the world, or onto the world and falls into water supplies and pollutes one third of the fresh water of this world and the poison of water make many people to perish. And verse number 12 it talks about the third part of the sun was smitten and the third part of the moon and the third part of the stars as so as the third part of them was darkened. So this vent, uh, talks about the light is diminished by one third on the heavens. And verse 13 talks about how an angel flies through heaven and pronounces the woes upon the earth uh, because they're going to take a turn for the worst. Uh, chapter 9, verses 1 to 12 gives us a description. I won't read all these verses, but gives us a description of an army that's released from the pit of hell. And this is not some science fiction, okay? This is God's Word and He describes to us what comes forth and they won't kill but they will torment for five months this world. And they'll be so intense that men will want to die. They will want to die. They will try to kill themselves, but suicide will be, will escape them. Okay? Uh, so that's, that's another judgment. And then the sixth judgment, uh, a dynamic invasion uh, of an army of 200,000 and one third of the human population will be destroyed. Verses 13 to 21. You're probably thinking, Pastor, I was really looking for something really encouraging this morning. Okay, You're not meeting my bill this morning. Uh, hey, you know the truth. He will help you to have joy in your heart. Amen? And the reality is, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you don't need to worry about any of this stuff. You don't need to worry. If anything, it should bring you joy to your heart that I don't have to go through this. This is not for me. It's not my future. I'm going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm going to be in heaven. Alright? And then the seventh trumpet announces that the Lord's, you know, He's gonna bring some more judgment, uh, in chapter 16. I'll just turn over there and read you a couple of verses. Uh, chapter 16 and verse number 2, he talks about that they poured a vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon men, which had the mark of the beast upon them that worshiped the image. So, a, some sort of sore, and I don't know exactly what this is, but it's poured out upon those who received the mark of the beast, 666. The waters are turned to blood and every creature in the sea dies. The first one we saw, one-third. Now every one of them dies in verse number 3 of 16. Verses 4 to 7, the fresh waters of the earth are turned to blood. Turned to blood. Verses 8 and 9 of chapter 16, the sun's heat is intensified. The fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun and power was given unto them to scorch men with fire and men were scorched with great heat. You know, it was bad. 
Uh, it was horrible. I mean, it is to come, I should say. And, and, and yet with that torment, you know what they say? And blasphemed. So he scorched them with great heat and they blasphemed the name of God. You would think you'd be looking for mercy right now, not blaspheme. But they still will not repent. Uh, chapter, t- uh, chapter 16, verse 10, he uh, pours out darkness and intense pain to the inhabitants of the earth, so intense that they gnaw their tongues in pain. Yet they still refuse to, to, to uh, repent and get things right. Uh, chapter uh, 16 again, verses 12 to 14, the Euphrates River is dried up and a pathway is made for the nations of the east to descend, or all the nations of the earth, to descend upon Israel for the final conflict. Now, there is a major earthquake that takes place in verse 17 of chapter 16. So great. Verse 18, let me read that. Um, and there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided in three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Cities of the nations. Okay, this is worldwide. We're upon the earth, uh, we're mighty and so great, sorry, uh, and the great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give up their cup of wine of fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away and the mountains were not found. The islands disappear, the mountains come down flat. This is how great this earthquake, it's gonna change the topography of the world. And this is what takes place during that time. And then hailstones fall from the earth. Massive. You get the idea of what I'm speaking of is horrors? I mean, this is horrible. This is, this is unimaginable. I can't even believe now, the, 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 the severity of all these things. And one half of the world's population will die from starvation, disease, and more. The, the pain and suffering will be something that we, we can't wrap our minds around. It's going to be so great. It's never been this way before. But I got great news for you this morning. You don't have to worry about any of this. You don't need to go home and, and not eat lunch. Well, honey, I'm passing the roast beef. Did you hear what pastor said this morning? No. You don't have to worry about it. Hey, you know Jesus Christ as Savior is saved. These things won't affect you. We still know that God has to do His work. But we'll be in heaven. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, my friend, do not put that off. Uh, the tribulation, uh, tribulation period is a future event. We don't know when it will take place, but I think it's any day now. I think any moment the Lord will return, amen, is the rapture of the church and we're gone. Any moment. It could be before the service is done, and I'm good with that. I'm ready. Let's go. But you know what? There's a lot of people who aren't ready. And we need to be telling them about Jesus Christ. I don't know how far off it is, but I don't think it's far. So today should be the day that you accept Christ. Today be born again. We need to be watching out for those around us who will seduce us to evil. And uh, In Mark chapter 13, is going to go back there. The Lord warns His men... Uh, the disciples about those who would try to deceive. For uh, uh, and then, if any man shall say to you, "Lo, here is Christ," or "Lo, here he is," believe him not. For false Christ and false prophets shall rise, and shall sell shines and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. 
He was warning his men then to watch out for these guys. Deception will be so strong that even the elect, those who know Christ as Savior, will be could be deceived if it were possible. Jesus is telling these guys that this is going to increase. And you know, during the tribulation time, the false prophet will create an image. I mentioned that already of the false of the Antichrist and place it in the temple in Jerusalem. And you can find in Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 to 18, he makes that statue come to life. And I'm not making this up, folks. I'm not doing this to get some, uh, woo. Okay? This is what the Word of God says. Because it's, it's super, super satanic in that tribulation time. Uh, and people are gonna be deceived. Okay? By this miracle. And they're going to worship the Antichrist. They're going to bow to His image. And this time will be one of great spiritual deception and turmoil. And it will lead so many to death because they have been deceived by the wicked one. That's in the future. The reality is today, so many are being led astray by false prophets and false teachers. Hey, just this week, I watched pure foolishness. in I think it was in Africa somewhere where some guy said he raised a dead person to life. This guy was in a coffin. I mean, it was such a hoax. This guy was in a coffin pretending to be dead and this guy laid his hand on him and he sat up. Apparently, this guy's in a whole lot of trouble, that preacher. Now he's got all kinds of lawsuits and stuff. Actually, he's not a preacher. He's a false teacher. Alright? It's all around us. I mean, that's that was the height of stupidity. And you think that you have that kind of power. I mean, my goodness. But listen, the cults are flourishing today. The Bible-believing churches seem to be dying off. The Word of God is not being proclaimed like it used to be. Like the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses and other cultist groups are preaching their doctrine and it's being accepted by the multitudes. You know, I mean, the Mormon church has done a great job in making themselves, make themselves look like a Christian organization. Hey, they don't believe in Jesus Christ. They don't believe in the Gospel. They're gaining acceptance because they preach a message of acceptance and they offer people false hope, though they would say hope. People are told they can earn God's favor by being good people and by doing good works. And listen, that just goes right back to our default position as human beings, our flesh. I'll just do good and I'll make it. Listen, there's nothing new under the sun, right folks? There's nothing new. I mean, this is a, this is an old trick and a new hat. Okay? This is nothing new. And while that message makes makes people feel good about themselves, it is not truth. It's not truth. Man cannot do good. You're like, well, my little baby pastor. Mm-hmm. I've had four. We're all sinners. Uh, and we're all gone of our own way. We're going to do our own thing. We're lost without Jesus Christ. And we, nor can we be good. Oh, we can try to modify ourselves. And try to, no, I won't do that as bad as I used to, but we're still lost. We're still sinners. Because an individual, every individual is totally depraved and a sinner and headed to a crisis eternity. It's a clear teaching from the Word of God. Wherefore, as by one man centered into the world and death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You believe the Word of God today? Uh, I'll be honest. I, I've been doing a lot of reading and I try to do that a lot anyway, but I've been reading some books recently about how Christians say they 
they're Christians, but they don't even believe the Bible. I mean, it's it's a crazy statistics I'm reading. I mean, I did not do the surveys, but the surveys have been done and things. And they're like, oh, parts of it are right and parts of Listen, if you can't believe this, we're in big trouble. You have to be able to believe the Word of God. This is the Word of God. And we need to look to it and see what God says in order to be saved. And He says to trust in Him. And repent of your sins and believe the Gospel. And what's the Gospel? Jesus was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Romans 4.25 For I have delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So you're not trusting in yourself to get to heaven. You have to trust in Jesus Christ. And it's Him alone. It's Him alone. It's not me going on my path and I take Jesus with me. It's I reject this path that I was on and whatever I believe, and it's Jesus and Him and nothing else. And listen, once you get saved, you're going to want to do good works. Because that's the Holy Spirit empowering you, wanting you to be a good testimony, wanting you to serve others. That's that's the reality of that Christian life. It's not me doing good works and then I get saved. No, I get saved and God helps me do good works. I challenge you to believe the Gospel this very day. To accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Listen, if you do not accept Jesus Christ as Savior and the God gives you the days and the rapture takes place, you're going to live in that tribulation. And my friend, you don't want to live in that tribulation. No, you don't. And you might say, well, I don't believe that. Yeah. I encourage you to read the Bible and find what the Word of God says. Find what the Word of God says. Some terrible days are coming. I praise the Lord. That the bride of Christ will not be here. Those who know Christ as Savior will not be here. I'll be with the Lord. You'll be with the Lord. You know, you find in Revelation your future, you know? Individual believers. Your future is in the Revelation. It doesn't tell us all who sit around the, the, the supper of the Lamb, but you're there if you know Christ as Savior. So I know your future. <laughs> if you're saved. We shall be saved. And I love this verse, Romans 5 9. We shall be saved from the wrath through Him. We don't go through the wrath of tribulation. We're with the Lord. Maybe some of you here today don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. Maybe it's the first time you heard about Jesus Christ. I don't know. I don't know everybody who's here. I don't know your, 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 what's the battles that are going on in your heart. But I would encourage you to know Christ as Savior. He changes things. He changes this life and He changes the next one. He changes your destination for eternity. You know, without Christ, you're heading to a crisis of eternity. Except Christ, you're heading home. You're heading to heaven. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I know Christ the Savior. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. You should do everything in your power to tell others about us. Leave those tracks. Uh, I was on vacation. And uh, I was in South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, just a couple weeks ago. And I went to the restroom, because that's what they call it in the United States, it's the restroom. 
I have said wash them a few times, and they looked at me like, what are you talking about, buddy? All right, just give you some information for when you travel, okay? So I went to the restroom, and here's tracks in every stall. Someone wants somebody to know about Jesus Christ, amen? I was like, hey, well done, buddy. I don't know who you are, but well done. Letting people know about Jesus. This world needs witnesses of the Almighty God, amen? And, and listen, your life's a testimony, absolutely. But there's times we got to talk about it. We got to talk to that person about it. We we can live the holy life. We can, uh, and we need to. We need to show righteousness to those in our workplace. We need to stand for truth. We need to do all those things. But there's times where we got to talk about it. Say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Or, hey, let me tell you about Jesus did in my life. Hey, your testimony. No one can do anything to that. That's what God's done in your life. Oh, they might not like it. That's fine. That's their choice. But this is what the Lord has done in your life. Oh yeah, you can talk about that. Tell those trapped in sin what Jesus can do. He can release them from that bondage. I'm so glad that my Lord is in control. I mean, you watch the evening. I don't even like watching the evening news anymore because I, it just seems that everything is all over the place. The leadership is doing this wrong and this is happening here and there's murders and there's stabbings and, you know, and all these other things that you can become so self, oh, hey. Jesus still reigns. He's still on the throne. Get in the good book. Get in the Word of God. And get to know Him. And see what He can do in your life. Change you. Transform you. And help you reach the potential He has for you in your life. Dear Jesus, thank You for another time we had to be in Your Word. And Lord, I know what I spoke of this morning is disconcerting to so many. It's a little terrifying. But Lord, as Christians, we need not fear. We'll be with you during that tribulation time. Help us as individual believers to be telling others, telling our family, telling our friends, inviting folks to hear about Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you move in the hearts of those who might not know you as Savior. Lord, today could be the day of salvation for them. Lord, I pray you bless this invitation now in Jesus' name. Amen.